Quigley in five, underwater in the yellow lane. Jess Carling of Great Britain. Quigley goes through. The silver to Jess Carling. Wonderful silver medal for Great Britain. Welcome to the Honest Athletes podcast with Lauren Quigley and Jazz Carlin. Welcome back to the Honest Athletes podcast. Again, just a little message to say thank you so much for all the support so far. It's been incredible. And we actually got a notification this week to say we'd made it into the charts in Greece. For this week's podcast, I often talk about this guest in interviews when I'm asked who my favorite teammate was. He was also one of the fastest men ever, swimming on his back, three-time world champion, and all-round absolute legend, the one, the only, Liam Tankard! Oh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need, like, a virtual round of applause, you know? When, yeah, can you, we do. Oh, I'll edit one in. I'll edit one in. We haven't figured that one out yet. No, we'll get there, we'll get there. That was all- I'm going to save that little clip as my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds oh, perfect. How are you doing? So thanks for coming on. We're so excited to be chatting to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I've actually, um, I've listened to all your podcasts. I'm a big fan. I've got into podcasts over the last, um, well, over, over the last 12 months and uh, I really enjoyed it. So when you guys were getting together, um one just to support you but also to find out what you're up to now i know we still we're still in contact but i think it's a really nice way to um give back to the swimming community in a, in a slightly different way which most people wouldn't uh wouldn't wouldn't see um so i think it's been been really good and it's so accessible now isn't it podcast i know we're, we're not driving far anymore we can't really do that but it's um it's a it's a good way to to step out from the world that's going on at the moment and um engage in engaging our passions and I'm, I've really enjoyed it so well done keep it up thank you very how much. have you found how have you found the past 12 months Liam because knowing you personally you're like I always describe you like a Duracell bunny like you've got so much energy you're full of life all the time but obviously during the past 12 months a lot of things have changed can't like it's been a huge new normal how have you found the past 12 months in general knowing you personally that you're just full of energy all the time um, challenging, like everyone. I think everyone's found um, found it difficult in different ways, and it's affected lots of different people in different ways. Um, but I'm quite a positive person, um, and you know, I try to find a positive out of most things, even you know, even even the current situation. So um, basically, just trying to change what we're doing, if, if we can't do what we normally do, like with, with my company Swimsy, we'd normally go to swim meets every weekend. Um, and obviously we've not been able to do that. It's, a, it's, you know, hard. It's hard not to be able to do that. But I feel for the, for the clubs, the swimmers, the, the athletes that would have attended those meets and, you know, and got to do something that I used to love doing, going to swim meets. So my life's changed and, um, uh, and it's been difficult, but there's no point in moping around it's about how can we plan for the exit move forwards um you know we've all relatively recently retired from the sport um so our life's been changing anyway so this is just another chapter in our change and i'm a firm believer sometimes life steals you cards it's how you how you turn those cards into into positives and uh, and actually learn from them yeah no definitely you know, and that, i don't expect anything less from uh from you, Liam, some some brilliant stuff there. I think we want to go right back to the start. I think we want to start at the start. And we want to know, we want our listeners to to find out how did you get into swimming? Why did why swimming? I think from a safety perspective. So I grew up in Devon, um, in the southwest, surrounded by water, whether it was the sea, whether it's the coast, whether it's lakes. Um, rivers, whatever it might be. And my parents just wanted me to be safe. Um, you know, if I ever fell in the water, you know, that's not the plan, but sometimes it happens. We hear horror stories so that I could actually just be able to save myself. Um, I had very bad asthma when I was a kid. Um, and it was almost a, a given that the doctors would say, well, if you've got asthma, you know, learn to control that with your swimming, uh, with swimming. So that was one of the reasons I started. Um, and also my brother, who's two years older than me, Ryan, he um, he went to a learn to swim program, and I guess like a kid, you just want to 
do what your your friends or your your siblings are doing. And um, yeah, as soon as he was swimming, that was it. I wanted to be in the water too. So I guess that's where it originally started. Fair enough. So it wasn't like a, well, or was it? I don't know. Was it like, did your parents swim? Did they do sport or was it completely new for them as well? We've always been an active family. Yeah, for sure. But, um, and, and my actually mum swam at sort of a, a regional level um, as, a, as a youngster. But that was probably it, mate. You know, my, both mum and dad are very sporty. We grew up outdoors, you know, every weekend. We were either at the coast or on Dartmoor or Exmoor exploring or um, just being adventurous on the bikes or on whatever it might be. So, um, and I actually played rugby as well when I was a kid. So I, I grew up playing for, for Exeter. Um, and I would say I was just a bit of a sporty, a sporty kid. Oh, a sporty family, I, I would say. Oh, an active family rather than a sporty family. Yeah, well, because me and Liam are actually both from the southwest, so we used to both compete. <laughs> Western counties. <laughs> but obviously, Liam, not rubbing it in, but he's a few years older than me, so I was just a bit... <laughs> Obviously, Liam, we saw, I saw you obviously growing up from, like, Exeter Swimming Club. Um, it's a fairly small swimming club. Um, was it just kind of like a natural progression, I guess, um, as we've spoken about on some of the other episodes it's kind of going to the counties then it's nationals did you feel like kind of were you quite a standout uh, age group swimmer or was it kind of more of a slow progression how did it work for you um I think for me I was just I just loved the water so if people gave me an opportunity to get in the water I I could and I remember going from from learn to swim like the baby pool um and I remember being a kid that I think people probably saw something in me and thought, actually, you could probably skip a few levels here, but to do that, you had to get in the big pool and at least swim one length. And that big pool's scary when you're a kid. I don't know what age I was, but my brother who helped me get into the sport told me that those black line were killer whales. <laughs> so <laughs> one length from the deep end to the shallow end over these killer whales when I was a kid and it was terrifying. But I tell you what, I don't reckon I've ever swam as quick in my life. But I got <laughs> straight out of the pool, jumped out, absolutely crapping myself. But it was, um, you know, I, I skipped a few levels and, and managed. And then after that, I looked under the water, realized there were just black lines or tiles and it was fine. But yeah, I was slightly scared of them for, for a, you know, a week or two. Because it was only actually when I was looking back some of like your achievements, obviously looking back at them all, there is a lot, but even at a junior level, you managed to get onto a couple of the junior teams. Was it mainly, obviously we've known you from more of your senior career in the sprint distance event, sprint events, not sprint distance, well, sprint, sprint events. Distance. There you go, that's a new one. <laughs> that's a new word. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do remember watching at some, you doing some 200 IMs as well, but as a youngster, were you doing a lot of different events or did you mainly prefer the shorter, shorter distance events? No, I just love racing. I, I, I literally didn't care what it was. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer there's lots of different ways to get to the top or to get to your top, whatever that looks like. Um, and if I looked at me as an example, I was, you know, I was a good athlete. I was a good younger swimmer. Um, I would go to meets and I would do well, get on the podium. I actually remember going to the to the, the Western Counties um, in Millfield when I was a kid. I don't know what age it was. I think it was the first year that Western Counties, you could swim as, as a, um, for the age group. Uh, and I actually won all the gold medals across every, ra every race. Go on, so, Liam. Every race that you could enter for that age. And I remember getting like a little certificate with it saying, well done. Which was <laughs> You've completed it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the collection. As a kid, it was really, really important. My coach, John Randall, in, in Exeter Swimming Club, really instilled in me that technique's super important, but also the ability, good, good athletes, whether you're a swimmer or any sport, are athletic, which means you can do different things, whether it's not just typecast to one event, but you can run fast, you can jump high, you can, you know, pick up a dumbbell, whatever it might be. Um, so it was sort of instilled in me from a very early age that, you know, you, you're not just focusing on one event just because you, you're good at it. You know, you might have an off day on the backstroke, so do the breaststroke and you might do a PB. So it's sort of, 
um, that was really, really positive for me. And, and you talk about the 200 IM there. Um, and would you believe it? I'm actually the Olympic finalist for 200 medley in Beijing. So um, I think the background of being, uh, being in that environment and actually not typecasting myself to a distance or a specific event. Uh, and people always said, you know, you're a sprinter, but maybe I was, I, I don't know. And I think that was probably my best, um, my best sort of distance or discipline was the, the shorter, the 50 and the 100. But as you say, if I was an Olympic finalist in the, in the 200 medley, but my, my mindset actually made me look at that event differently. Although it was 200 meters, I looked at it as 450 sprint. So I looked at it in a very, very different way. Um, and I would almost urge lots of people, whether it's a 400, how, how can they get around that event if they've got mental blocks that actually, you know, could that be four 100 back to back where you're doing different things in each, each, um, uh, each hundred to get to the, get to the end result. So, um, and actually a funny story. I just remember this then from a, from a very early, early age, I remember going to a villa, um, somewhere in Europe with my family. I think it was like Greece or something when I was super, super young, I was out there with my grandparents and to give my parents uh, a bit of an evening off, my grandparents took me and my brother out for a walk, li literally just around the complex. And I remember seeing a, um, there was a hotel and we were wandering past that hotel and I was a bit nosy as a kid, still am now, but um, walked into this hotel because I saw a bit of music, a bit of lights going on and they were having a swimming competition. That was it, <laughs> off, shorts off. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't even part of the hotel, but I dived in straight to the end, got out, it's probably about a 10 meter pool out the end, got myself one a lilo, walked down with <laughs> That's amazing. That, that was one of my first experiences of, of, of winning a race and it was pretty cool. So if you win a lilo, young, you're, you're all in, aren't you? My parents were like, where have you got this lilo from? Everywhere's closed. <laughs> That's amazing. You probably didn't need all that in the intro. You probably just needed one Alilo when he was young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so Jazz has just touched on like the natural progression through junior swimming and everything. Were you, I know you said you were good, but were you um, winning nationals each year and, and all that sort of stuff? Or was there any point where you had like a stagnant year, like a year where you just plateaued and you were like, what? Why am I not doing better here? Uh, yeah, and I think you always have you always have ups and downs. But I, I honestly, I I love nationals, and I thought it was brilliant. But it was the people around me that were more interested. I remember going to nationals for the first time, and there was you know maybe a, a small handful of people from Exeter Swimming Club that went. Um, you know, less than ten, and people. You know, it used to be in the day where you get a program. So. You know, the night before you go and test out the pool, or you get pick up your program and see where you ranked because the internet wasn't as good as it is now, and it almost didn't exist from a um, from a digital side. So until you got there and got your program, you didn't even know where you were ranked. Sort of in you, you knew in your club and you knew in your county, but you didn't know nationally. So I remember, and it was quite interesting that all my teammates were more interested in flicking through the program to see where I was ranked rather than them. So I knew something was a bit strange, but, um, you, you know, and I don't want to say this was easy, but when I was younger, I did, you know, the first nationals I went to, I won the 100 backstroke. It was one of those things. Um, I think w one of the years I broke my, uh, I really badly twisted my ankle playing football down the drive with my brother a week, a uh, few <laughs> days before, got told I couldn't swim. And I, you know, I said, well, I'm swimming anyway. Um, and I got second, so I was a little bit annoyed about that. But you know, <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, I was well chuffed with that. I was a bit annoyed about second. <laughs> Just in it, I think, and this is something that I think was different in me than lots of the people around me at that age is, and, and I see it all the time in swimming now. I see lots of youngsters, see lots of clubs, swimmers, um, parents, coaches in in club level programs, um, and everyone's really fixated on them, what they can do, or, you know, they're not tall enough or, you know, they're quite short for their age or almost making excuses. And I, I looked at things in a completely different way. I was always like, why not? And, and actually when it came to winning nationals, I was always like, Oh, that's great. But 
you know, I, I might be first in the 13 year age group, but actually I'm sixth in the 14 year age group and I'm 57th in the 17 and under and actually open, I'm 240th. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and that's the, that's my, the way I looked. I, I didn't really focus on, you know, it was cool, but I didn't really focus on the, the, the medal or the time. Uh, it was more the time and actually where does that sit on a bigger level? And, you know, each year I wanted to be, oh, well, actually I'm 250th. Actually, I really want, if I do a PB, I might jump up to 210th in the, you know, in the open age group. And that was always quite exciting for me rather than what was going on. Uh, and as you say, I went to all the junior uh, junior meets. I went, you know, through the ranks sort of as you normally probably would. Um, I'm not saying everyone gets there because everyone's at different levels, but, um, you know, I went to most of the junior meets I could go to, sort of three and six nations, um, European juniors, um, and, and sort of through those ranks. But again, it was, um, it was the mindset of, of actually where does that put me on a bigger level and I that's what really got me going that's what got me really excited and I think just from knowing and seeing you as like a senior athlete and a summit like you I, I would say favorite teammate buzzing around poolside so much energy even going up before you race like you're just always smiling positive happy have you always been like that even like as a junior is does that just carry on or like were you quite nervous or have you always had that kind of full of energy before races competitions just absolutely loving it loving every moment <laughs> I just love every moment I think that's my personality anyway um and it's probably sort of something I grew up with as a as a family being quite positive and being quite um you know a, a happy happy family and stuff um, so I, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but again, I probably looked at racing slightly different, whereas lots of people would be really nervous about going to race. Racing was my thing. Training was, you know, training was all right. I got to hang out with my mates. I got to do the sets that the coach set me and do different things. But actually I used to love going to race and that was, you know, there's no point in doing all the hard work in training. If you're nervous about going to race, I just thought it was a bit of a showcase. And there's something really important is in, again, my mindset. I think this was, you know, I wasn't the best athlete in the world, but I think one of my real assets was my mindset and the way I think about things. And my, my almost philosophy, and I don't know where I got it from. I think it was probably from my family is that people get really nervous because they think they're going to get told off for not doing well. My, my parents would never tell me off for not doing well. And my, my sort of philosophy now is like, you can't tell someone off if they've done their best, if they've not tried, if they've not, but if they slipped on the wall or did a disqualification, they didn't mean to, no one meant to do that. There's no one standing on the box said, right, I'm gonna do a fly now. There's, there's other things that are gonna affect it. So I was really lucky that I was in a supportive family and club environment where I could really engage with that side of thinking. And, and I think that really helped progress me all the way through the level. Like I, I know, you know, people even at the Olympic Games were nervous because they were more worried about what would happen if they didn't do something or what would other people think. I really didn't care because all I could do is go out there and do my best. And if the best wasn't good enough or something happened on the day, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? I can, everyone can sort of hold their hands up and say, I did my best. And you can get towed off for that. So that that's just a, a little insight into the way I think about things, really. And thanks for letting us know that, because it's it's really interesting to hear and for the people listening to to think about things in a in a different way. And how can you turn things around to it being a positive for you? You know, something that's going to help you out with your own swimming or whatever it is. Um, but just going back to what Jazz said, your personality is so bubbly and so on poolside, you were always making everyone else feel good. And, you know, I'd look at a team sheet and if I saw Liam Tancock on there, I was like, this is going to be good fun. You know, and I got, I actually got to, um, I was in your group on the, one of the national camps. I hope you realise the noticeable difference when Liam's on a team for when Liam's not on a team. And I obviously experienced both and you can really tell. And if even if I was feeling a bit down, I'd always go, right, where's Liam Tancock on poolside? Because I know even if I was near you, that would radiate and it would just make things so much better. And I'd be like, it's all good. It's all good. Um, oh, I appreciate 
that means a lot. And I think, you know, I wasn't the best trainer. You guys know that. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take that on board and be upset by what was going on. And I think there's there's people like the team environment. Swim, swimming is quite an individualist an individual sport, but there's a there's a very big team element and you can be an energy giver and an energy sapper. And I always wanted to try and bring the people up around me because actually it would probably make me better as well. Um, and I think if it brings the whole team up. So, no, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, no, well, I always, whenever people ask me, you know, especially to do with things like who would bring the team up, you know, who had the best energy, who would always be um, on top of the game. It was, it was all, it's always you for 100%. So transitioning from junior to senior now, though, we've spoke, we've spoke about this on a podcast we've done. And it's just a really interesting time for each individual. So I was just wondering what your transition from junior to senior was like. It was fine, but I actually think it was fine because of my mindset again. And I don't want to, you know, keep going over the same things, but because as a kid, I was more worried about where I sat in an open age group. It sort of just happened. Mm-hmm. I moved at the ranks from 250, or well, not even on the rankings, to 250 of where it started all the way up till when I was, you know, in, in the top 50 maybe. And and then, you know, you get to the top 10 or the top five or the top, you know, whatever it might be. So I think it almost started from a, from a super early age and I wasn't scared of it. I sort of tried to own that. And I was always, always thinking about the bigger picture. Not, not that you're not accepting what's going on at the time, but, um, I was always excited about the next step. So, you know, going from junior competitions to senior competitions, I remember some of the staff saying, you know, this is, this is the biggest jump. This is the hardest thing to do. But my mindset was I was already there. I just not made a team yet. So all, all I needed to do is swim a bit quicker Then I would move up the rankings. And if I moved up the rankings, it's not like someone would pick me because they like the look of my stroke. They picked me because I hit the wall first. So it was sort of down to me and, you know, people can only judge by what you do. So it, it, it was 100% down to a mindset. So actually for me, it was, you know, it wasn't a thing. I just, you know, when I made my first, first senior international in 2005 in Montreal, I actually got a bronze medal. And I think that probably helped because although I hadn't raced on the international stage, my mindset was like, well, I belong here because I've, gone up the ranks to get here. So I wasn't intimidated by the people around me. Um, you know, and I actually missed out on a gold by seven one hundredths of a second. So, it, you know, I was in the mix, which was which was really quite exciting. So I think the, the reason it didn't affect me too much is because I was, I had the support network from when I was younger and my mindset, although I didn't know it at the time, probably helped me get there without being nervous or without questioning why am I there? Why am I there? What, you know, all these guys are really good, you know, um, going on a team and, you know, sharing with um, James Gibson, who was world champion at the time. I mean, so like, I didn't feel like, Oh, why am I in this environment? I believe that I don't earn the, the rights to be there. Um, so, and no one can question that because if you've touched the wall first, you've touched the wall first, it's not on discretion. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And what was like the Olympics in the back of your mind? It was like, that was that the goal or was the goal just to be like the fastest you can be or just to like race and try and win medals? Like what was like driving you at that age? Could you see yourself going on and like, obviously the career that you've had and over years and years and being at world championships and Olympics and Europeans and all those medals that you've actually managed to win along the way. Was that always in the goal? Was it to just be at those games and compete and win medals or was it just to be the fastest you can be? Um, I know you absolutely thrived in that environment, but what was it kind of in the back of your mind? Could you see yourself competing at the Olympics and going on to have that career that you did have? I think from the age of 10, I really wanted to be the best I could be. And that sort of didn't waver the whole way through and I I remember getting the Guinness Book of World Records when I was a kid and you know my goal was to be in that book so and it was the goal throughout and so so that was always a a massive sort of um, target for me Um, 
but I just love racing. I honestly think it was the people around me, whether it was coaches um, or, or even sort of fellow athletes, even at a younger age in Exeter City Swimming Club. It was, I think those are the guys that really saw um, the insight into me and my, my development. I just wanted to go to wherever I could go to race and race and have fun because that's what I love to do. It wasn't necessarily about winning gold medals or it was about bettering myself, doing PBs, doing the finer things right to actually make a difference. I, I quite like talking to my coach between heats and final to say, well, actually, you know, what what can you do different to, like tactically, to make yourself better for the final? Uh, and my coach always said, actually, one good thing about you is you were coachable. And that's a really good trait to have in terms of um, if you're coachable, you get, if you've got instruction for the right reason, you can take that on board and actually do something about it rather than listening, listen to it and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just doing the same as you'd always, always do. And I was quite, I was always quite excited about doing something different. So, you know, if I didn't find something fun or my coach wanted to challenge me in a different way, even from a very early age, they were like, well, you know, you're not racing against anyone. It's a time trial, but what I want you to do is, um, you know, dive in and go as slow as you can for the first 50 and do your quickest ever back 50. And you know what it's like as a, as a kid, you, even though you're trying to go slow, you're not really, but it feels so easy. And, you know, I would do that in races. And, and even when I was older, do you know what I mean? I remember going to a, to a race and, and, and speaking to the people around me because actually I was going to do the race a little bit different. I broke my first world record by in the first 50 of a 200 meter backstroke. I had to touch the wall. Wow, turn. that's amazing. Because if you stop, it doesn't count. So I swam 150 metres without realising if I broke the world record. Looked up at the scoreboard, saw my time of like 2.10 or something. I'm like, well, that wasn't going to break any world records. And I turned around to my teammates and they're all cheering. So I thought, oh, it must be quite good. Um, you know, I remember going when I was older and, and you know, we spoke to the referees and, and it was a 50 freestyle. And part of my training was my underwater. So we actually did it as a 50 underwater kick, fly kick underwater. Um, so we managed to speak to the referees and I told the, t the people around me that I was doing it so they weren't distracted from, from what I was doing. But just because you're doing, you know, 100 back, a 400 free, a 400 medley, whatever it might be, find those things that make it interesting for you, that make it, uh, not entertaining because that's the wrong word, but actually those things like were going to make me better athletes, trying things in different ways. So yes, a slight insight into what I did. It's like thinking outside the box, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you've got a pool and you can swim a certain event, but there's so many different things that you can do to make you a better athlete. So it's so interesting. And that's some of the things I just want to tap into because I think the mindset that you have and how you are, even before a competition, I think we referenced it in one of our competition diaries about how you were at a competition. It's just amazing. And like tapping into that and having you actually speak about it. I think so many people are going to be able to take things away. But obviously you moved on to Loughborough then next, did you have to Exeter? So that was for university. Um, how was the move and the transition um, into, was that a national centre at the time for GB Swimming or were you advised to kind of go to Loughborough? What was the decision behind that? Yeah, so I was, it was um, at that time, at that age where I'd finished college in Exeter and the next progression if I wanted to move on. And this was what my club was really good for, was like, look, we obviously see you've got some talent um, but we haven't got the pool space. We haven't got a 50 meter pool. We haven't got gym facilities. And, you know, we, we're so excited for your future development rather than holding on to me and saying, no, you should stay here. You know, Exeter University is an, an unbelievable university, cool city. One day we'll have a 50 meter pool for sure. Um, but at the time we didn't, you know, we still have it now, but my club and my coaches and the support network around me knew that it was the right thing to let me go to, to try and progress. And, you know, although I always had the support network of my family, moving away, living on your own, cooking for yourself, getting yourself to, to morning training, walking there um, was different and was a challenge. And I think lots of people struggle with that. 
but the good thing for me is in that period i i i basically did exact so the time that i went to loughborough doing and the very next year was exactly the same time so i didn't progress but i had and my mindset was like well i've had all these challenges i've managed to do all this myself so to actually go the same time is pretty unbelievable and I moved in 2003, so just before there was even a national centre there. So I went straight in training with Ben Titley, but there wasn't a national centre, so it was Ian Armiger and Ben Titley there. Um, and then it was it was basically later that year, um, you know, pretty much a few months later, because uh, the national centre was only in Bath at the time, that they set up a national centre there. So... I chose for me because I thought that was going to be the, the best place for me. It was a campus university. Everything was on, on site. I, you know, love the setup. I love the team ethos. Um, and that's the reason I sort of chose it. And I guess in hindsight, it was, it was good that, you know, a few months later they turned it into a national center. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, but I didn't choose it because of that. And I think that was important as well. I choose the right place for me. Um, and the good thing is, as well, that my coaches, uh, you know, previous coaches who were, you know, really integral in my upbringing in terms of my, my younger swimming self were thought it was a good move. And that, and that gives you really good, um, confidence, I guess. Liam, you've been talking about just then about your transition into senior swimming and everything, and you touched on coaches. I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about the coaches you had and how important that relationship is and what sort of coach you think works best for you, because obviously not all coaches fit every single athlete. No, and I think it's, it's really difficult. And I think, um, you know, maybe I've been quite fortunate with the coaches that I've had have been sort of along the same mindset or the same philosophy as what I had. Um, so, yeah, John Randall was my first coach in Exeter. Um, Stuart McNary took over for a year, which was great. Um, and then um, then I moved to, to Loughborough and was coached with Ben Titley. Um, Obviously, Ian, Ian Armiger was there with, with Loughborough. He didn't directly coach me, but he was obviously a big personality on Paul's side, and that's what made that team really great. Um, and I learned a lot from from that that group of people in Loughborough as well. Um, and then later on in my career, after 2012, um, James Gibson as well. So um, it, it was actually, you know, and, and still is a, a great friend. Um, he was a roommate, a teammate, um, then became a coach so you know we might get onto that later because lots of people thought that was a little bit strange but it, it worked really well so uh, I, I just think I had the, the good support network and I, and I learned a lot from lots of different coaches at different points and I think there's there's different um, I guess nuggets of information you can take from people but it's it's I said earlier that um, my coaches said that I was quite coachable but I think if you've got a, a really solid relationship and people can connect with other people emotionally and um, they really understand how they're feeling at any given time, I think it's quite a, a skill to be able to deliver the right message at the right time. So, you know, it, and I think that's really important both as a swimmer and as a coach. So, you know, it, even if you think it's quite a positive thing to say, if you said that at the wrong time, it could be taken as a, as a negative. So, um, I think emotional intelligence is is really important and it enables a better connection with uh, athlete and coach as well. So I, I use that, you know, from a very early age all the way through and I picked up different bits of information, um, you know, when I was 10 to when I was 30. Amazing. So, in so interesting to hear. And obviously I did refer to you in one of our other competition diaries because I remember saying that um coming up to you before a race and i said liam so what are you doing in the warm-up like what's your, what's your plan you said i don't know just see how it goes see, see about see when i feel good um i said oh so like what's your plan oh why swim till i feel good and like i'm ready like and just the confidence that you had <laughs> which like for me i always used to do the same warm-up i was quite strict like routine but your routine like is just making yourself feel good, bringing yourself up, and you're just so confident and ready in everything you do. And like the mindset that I think so many people can take away. And I think I could probably have taken bits away that I didn't have to be so strict with what time I got on, what time I put my suit on and all that kind of stuff. 
that I could have actually taken how you are. And so could you just talk to everyone about it? Because I think a lot of people can come away with some great points. I can't wait for this. And can learn a lot from it. I'm bad. Every coach in the country, in the world, is like hand in the hand at the moment. Um, <laughs> if it's not positive and it's not going to make me better, it's gone. Do you know what I mean? There's, no, there's literally no point in worrying if you've got a date that morning. Who cares? No one cares. And it's going to make me swim fast. Or, you know, it could be anything. The bus didn't turn up or the water's a bit cold or it's really busy in the warm-up. And, and I remember being, this started when I was a junior, actually. I remember um, back when Bill Sweetnam was in the, in the UK, he, I, I once did a, um, like a, a camp or something. And I could, this was at Devon's, I think it was. And I couldn't, something happened, the road was closed to Plymouth and I couldn't get to the counties, whatever. And we were keynotes, we were always there early. But something happened and basically my, my thing is I had to warm up in the backseat of my parents' car with the heater on full blast and get into my race suit, go in and swim, a, swim the race. And everyone was like a bit panicky. And the people around me were like, quick, quick, get to the block, get to the block. And I was like, look, you're not helping. You're not going to make me swim fast by worrying. So... I'll get there, I'll swim the race and it'll be fine. And I actually broke a British junior record. So that was, um, and, but it was the mindset that, you know, I could have been like, oh, I'm not going to swim fast here. I'm not going to do that. And then I remember going on a, a, a camp and I remember Bill Sweetham saying to me, in one breath, he was like, right, everyone needs to know their, their warm up. And literally went around the room and was asking everyone their warm up and got to me. And I was like, yeah. You know, I just get in and I see how I feel and I, you know, I've got a few set things that I might do, but, you know, there's no stress around it because actually, you know, I, I might not always be able to warm up in a 50 metre pool or I might not always be able to warm up in a, you know, some pools are like 10 metres at, at some of even the big competitions. So, um, and he got to me and I was like, well, I do this. And he was like, at first he was a bit like, right, that's good hear this, everyone, you can do something different. He's like, well, what makes you think you could do that? And I told him the story about, you know, doing the British record when I was a kid by warming up in the back seat of my car by putting the heaters on full blast. And he loved it. So um, it was one of those things that, you know, there's things that can make you better. And this is before a race, during a race, after a race, what it is. And there's things that can make you worse. And I just made sure that if it could make me worse, basically it didn't exist. Like I completely shut it off. So it's not like I didn't have a plan and I wasn't quite, um, you know, lazy affair about it. I was, I was very relaxed and that's just my personality. But, you know, I quite liked getting in. I, I, I used to start every warm-up with a dive and glide. Stupid. I knew how I was going to swim that meet from a dive and glide. Didn't even need to warm up. That was, that was my mindset. And I know that's a bit crazy. But it truly, it, and I'm talking, this isn't Devon Counties, this is the Olympic Games, the World Championships. You know what I mean? People thought I was bonkers. But that is honestly 100% true. And it was, and, and my mindset, like people go into competitions really nervous about what they're going to do. My mindset was like, you know, I've been a good athlete before and I'll be a good athlete again. Do you know what I mean? This, this one thing, whether it's good or bad, isn't going to change the world. It's not life or death. It's, you know, and I, it was all down to mindset. Honestly, it really was. Like, I, you, you talked a, bit, a little bit about it earlier when we were training together and, you know, you might have been having a tough time. You'd look over at me and I was having fun and I might have been having an absolute stinker of a session, but I still enjoyed it. I'm sure we were a lot of the time. <laughs> The coach at the end of it, do you know what I mean? It wasn't their fault that I had a stinker. And the good thing is, and I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but the moment I left poolside, like literally jumped out of, out of the pool, it was done. Like that session was done. I didn't take it away with me. I didn't even take it to the shower and moan about it and mope about it. I was like, look, I've been a good athlete and I'll be a good one again. And I think that was, honestly, that was probably my, my biggest strength. That's I know it's thinking, but it was. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I think 
anyone that's listening can take so much away from this already. And we've joked about it, but I, I'm going to get back in the water when this podcast is over. Like, has anyone got an infinity pool or just, just hit me up, you know? But no, it's it's great to hear these things. And it's almost like the perfect athlete mentally because listening to you speak, but, and this is all being positive and it wouldn't be a Liam Tancock episode if it wasn't, but was there any, well, I'm sure there were moments, low moments in, in your career, but is there any that you, you could talk about with us now and like why you were, why you went low, what the reason was and how you came out of that? I think I had tough, tough times. I think everyone has tough times. It's just how you deal with those tough times. So, um, you know, in 20, so after the Olympics in 2012, I, I really struggled with injury. You know, I, I had an injury and we couldn't work out what it was. You know, I'd go to the world trials the next year in 2013. And I was literally the, the, on the physio bed as the, the final before my final was in. I was like lying on the physio bed and everyone else was stressing around me. And I was like, look, there's nothing I can do. I'll be there when the gun goes. Don't worry about that. That's fine. But if this is going to make me better, let's do it. And, you know, I, I've, I've had injections into my shoulder literally 10 minutes before I swam. Um, and, you know, it's not an ideal situation, but I'm st- it doesn't mean I'm not going not gonna to go out there and try. Um, you know, and I've not made teams. I didn't, although I qualified for the team, I got the qualification. Um, I didn't get taken to that world championships. And lots of people would have been, you know, pretty upset about that, especially after qualifying. And and I guess I was, but actually I was like, well, how can I use this as positive? I'm not in good shape. Can I use this year as a, as a platform to get myself better, get myself stronger? Um, you know, and that's what I did. And I went to the Commonwealth Games the, the year after and, you know, got on the podium a few times. So that was always pretty good. It's, it's something that's so important to realise that it isn't all, you know, happy and this and that, and it's great. And the majority should be, of course, but there are times that you go, okay, that's happened, but how can I, you know, react to that situation? And obviously you're the perfect model for that, uh, to get over that sort of stuff. I would love to know what you were like in the call room, because obviously sometimes we were in the call room together, but I'd love to, for you to just to explain to everyone else what it was, what you were like in the call room, because I, I just, I'm so interested in that. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. It was one of those things that, like, you see so many different people in so many different situations and everyone's stressing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's life or death. We're going to swim one or two lanes of the pool. <laughs> like, who cares? No one. Like, the only person is yourself and just go out and enjoy it what's the point in worrying about it so you know and over the years I've had people trying to psych me out and it would honestly it would just make me laugh like, I would <laughs> what's been the best attempt to to put you off oh people like get in your face or people are like stood behind you in the line breathing down your neck and I sort of follow well, <laughs> it, it there was nothing that could phase me I've had suits rip three minutes before I'm about to race not a problem that, whereas I know people would stress. I, I remember for the 50 back at the World Championships in Kazan, so my last ever, pretty much my last ever race, like in, in international waters. Um, I remember the, the staff around me were just stressing, apart from James Gibson, my coach, because he knew exactly what I was like. He knew me as an athlete, he knew me as a coach. Um, and, you know, they were like, you've got to be in the core room, you've got to go through, you've got the first core room, the second core room. And I wasn't ready to go through. So, you know, I, I, I was doing my thing. I was finishing off whatever I was doing at the time. I was having a bit of water. I was finishing off stretching, whatever it might have been. I was chatting to my coach um, and everyone was really sort of worried about me getting around for the race. And I was like, look, I'll be there when the gun goes off. They're not going to stop me racing. So I, I went through to the first, first call room and no one was even in there. They'd already left. So I got my suit checked, I did all that, and uh, people were proper stressing, but I just put my music on, trundled down to the second call room, said hello to everyone, and went out and raced, and it was quite good. So I, I think you can you can work yourself up, or you can surround yourself by the right people. There will always be some people that can negatively affect you, but it's how you deal with those people, and I think that was the big thing for me. There's always gonna be those people there, even you know, even the best people have wobbles, um, but I was one of those people. When I said to people, do you know what I mean? If it's not helpful, I don't want to hear it. 
you know, even if you think it's being helpful. Uh, and even if they did say something that was, you know, potentially negative or, or not helpful. And ultimately, the only thing that was important at that time was me suing fast. So anything that wasn't helpful was, you know, was going to be detrimental to me. And that was, you know, I surrounded myself by the right people, but also was strong enough to tell people either way. You know what I mean? And so for my first GB senior team was in Rome 2009 world championships um like the rookie my first team and we well I was on a team with Caitlin you're now wife um, <laughs> Becky and Joe and obviously we came away with a bronze medal but one of my like favorite moments was obviously seeing you Liam win break the world record like just it was just like as a junior athlete well coming onto the first senior team and my first team and being able to experience all that, that was just like, whoa, like this is the best thing ever. How, when you look back at your like swimming career, is there like a moment where you were like, oh, that was like, cause I talk about it. If I could bottle that feeling up and think, oh, you know, if you're just having a bit of a down day or a quiet day, just open it up. Is there like a moment in your swimming career that you is a standout moment where you're like, oh, that was just the best ever. I tell you, you actually give me goosebumps thinking about it. It was awesome, wasn't it? Um, I, I don't know if there was really. You know, I did some amazing things and it was always good to stand on the podium, listen to the national anthem, break world records. It was always pretty amazing. Um, but I think, I think good or bad, I could probably pick out um, different parts of different competitions or training that I would take something from. So rather than having one pinnacle thing, it was like, if you said, oh, what was it like in, I don't know, Delhi in 2010, I would tell you a story about that and I would get all excited about it. Um, and, you know, about any other competition ever really. So I don't think there's one standout, obviously, you know, stand on the podium and that, that was always pretty special, um, but it wasn't necessarily about that for me. Um, but if, if you look at if you look at Rome 2009, there was loads and loads of things that potentially could have thrown people off. We're in a European city where they've got amazing food. The hotel food for us and for everyone was horrendous. But rather than moan about it, you just eat it. Do you know what I mean, where I let other people moan about it and, and worry about it and affect their performance. I just did whatever I needed to. Like the the hotel had a pool that was about 10 meters long and that was the warm up for, you know, the, the race. Um, there was loads of suit issues going on. There was lots going on and it's just about how you deal with that situation and, and move on. Even like Rome's one of the coolest cities in the world. One of my favorite. It's probably helped by swimming fast there and breaking world records, but it, it is a cool city. So um, it, it's about, yeah, what's happening around you that, that really makes a difference, I think. I know you said you, you know, you take things from different events and stuff like that. Um, and of course, that's a great way to look at it. But if you had to redo one day of your career, um, all everything stayed the same, but you just had to redo it, which day would you choose? I think for me, is the outcome would never be different. So there's no point in replaying a race or replaying anything. I would probably look at something really quite mundane and boring to replay again, because I still get, as you said, you talked about an event there and I got goosebumps. I still get those feelings and I don't need to replay it necessarily. I just need to get like a little bit of a vibe and I'm back in the zone. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's mm -hmm. my mentality. Yeah. So I would probably do something really boring and mundane and about, you know, actually when I did that, um, why was I worried about this situation? didn't it didn't make didn't make a difference so I would have probably done like something quite small but there's nothing I would have changed in my career there, there's absolutely nothing so um and I don't think by repeating the same thing I would get the same feelings I've, I've got vivid memories of you know breaking the world record or standing on the podium or walking out in London for the Olympic final of the 100 backstroke and people chanting my name. I've got vivid memories about that and I can pull on that. I'm quite um, good at being able to engage in that environment just in my mind or if someone talks about it. And I think it's really cool. And it's not just things about me, but I get excited talking about, you know, about other people and about other, other environments and stuff. So it's not just, it. you know, I, I get into something just because it's, you know, something I vividly remember. 
um, and it was about me. It's, it's not necessarily that. So I don't, I don't know if I would. I know that's a bit of a boring answer, but I don't think I would repeat anything that's that's big. Obviously, swimming career lasted a long time. Your career from well, from all the way from your first senior competition all the way to to your last. Um, how was the decision to retire? Did you find it like a really difficult decision or did it feel like the right time, the right moment? Um, and I guess talk to us a little bit about life after sport, the transition. How did you find it coming into the real world? Obviously, as athletes, we're fine-tuned to being athletes, the day-to-day life, the training, the competitions. But coming into the real world, it is quite different. And um, I'd love to hear like about your decision and the stepping away from the sport as well. So I think all our listeners will find that really useful. Yeah, so it's, it's quite an interesting one, actually, because only really you know when it's right to retire. We've all gone through it. But the thing that I found absolutely bizarre is that everyone thought it was their, it was their choice or their opinion really mattered. And I remember after London Olympics, and I don't even know how old it was, it's completely irrelevant, but people thought I was going to retire, but I wasn't ready to retire. I hadn't finished what I wanted to do in the sport. Even though I went through tough times beyond um, London, you know, with injury and, and, and things like that, ultimately it should have been down to me. And that's what, again, it's about control. That's what I wanted to do. So I, I thought it was bonkers, but loads of people around me in, in were were thinking I should retire, even if they didn't necessarily say it. It was their mindset and their the way they change in the way they speak. I'm quite I'm quite clued up on the way people speak to you because that's what I really really enjoy. Or um, and, and I thought that was quite interesting because I would only retire when I was ready to retire. It's not about for for me. It wasn't just about going there and winning medals. Don't get me wrong, I loved it, but you know I, I remember speaking to you know, some some people in the sport and being like, look, we're on the same page. You want to win medals and I want to win medals. And that's that's exactly what it's about. Everyone should be supporting everyone to do that. And I think I was fortunate enough that it was my own plan. So I wasn't ready to retire after London. Um, I also didn't have a plan for what I wanted to do after sport. I'd got a degree and, you know, I was in the... In, in a good space, but I, I actually used that time beyond London to to grow myself and you know do some online courses, speak to lots of lots of different people in different fields of business or in life that I could learn things from. My goal was to to go to Rio, but I didn't qualify, and and that was fine. So you know my 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 swimming career, I guess, finished at, at the trials. Um, but again, that's absolutely fine. And, and me and Kate had a goal that when we both retired from swimming and she did it um, a couple of years before me after the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, so she did a home Olympics in London and being Scottish, a home, uh, a home Commonwealth Games in, in Glasgow as well. So an amazing way to finish her career. Um, we said as soon as we're you know, both properly done, we wanted to go and travel. Like we were we were used to traveling, but we would see pools and hotels and the bit in between. So for for us to actually take a bit of time after and you know, that was my next goal. It's like, right, I'm gonna, you know, take a bit of time from for ourselves and um and and plan the future. And and actually sort of in 2015, I teamed up with some people and and we started Swimsy, um, which has been been really cool, sort of a, a clothing brand for swimmers by swimmers. And um, you know, I've really enjoyed throwing myself into into that now. But I think you know, for, for the listeners and, and the viewers, it's, there'll be lots of people at the end of your career have got opinions about you and your career. And actually none of them really matter because if I retired after London, although I, you know, I still went to Commonwealth Games and World Championships and, you know, won medals after, um, my, my biggest thing was I was doing it for me and I didn't want to leave the sport with any regrets, any stones unturned, even if I wasn't performing at the top level. Um, I wanted to take ownership and control of that situation, of which I feel like I did. I didn't make the team, and that is completely fine. I wasn't fast enough. Um, but the goal after that was to go on holiday and have a nice bit. So me and Caitlin toured around Asia for a month or something, and it was absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a strange time for athletes, that transition. It, it really is, and I think people 
feel lost. Um, there's a big lack of um, or a loss of identity. You know, I was always known as Liam the swimmer, and all of a sudden, one day later, you're just Liam. That that people people really struggle with that. And I think if you can surround surround yourself by the right people um, and realise your worth and some of the things that actually swimming taught me that um, that really benefit in, in later life. And actually the support network you've got is way bigger than you think. I was really good that I am quite confident enough to just pick up the phone and speak to different people. So one, getting advice, but you know, I would, I would happily speak to, to anyone. And, and I realized that actually lots of people are really keen to share, to share their experience. So I was, you know, lucky enough to speak to some, you know, business people in different sectors um, you know, whether it's CEOs or owners of brands or whatever it might be, that's, that gave me some completely super invaluable advice that helped me to where I was. And, you know, sometimes just reaching out and speaking about things can can really be a benefit rather than sort of sitting in yourself and, and uh, have negative thoughts. I was like, how can I make this situation the best? So that was my, my mindset. And I think it, I think it really helped actually. A few uh, really fantastic words there on retiring or quitting or finishing whatever words people choose. Um, and I think finishing on your own terms is such a huge one in, in so many ways. A lot of swimmers finish not on their own terms and end up resenting the sport and it's such a bad place to be. Um, and I'm so happy that I didn't finish after 2016 resenting it um, and now want to stay in it and always wanted to stay in sport. And I get the same feeling from you that you always wanted to be involved in sport, you know, even beyond swimming. And you mentioned just a minute ago about Swimsy, but please talk a little bit more about that. How did that start? You know, what's the the ethos behind it? How's that going for you? Yeah, it's been brilliant, actually. It's, it's been it's been super exciting. And as you say, like I've grown up for swimming and uh, with swimming and I feel like I've got so much more to give back to swimming. Um, and yeah, teamed up with a, a group of like minded people. Um, so I was looking at setting up my own brand um, post post swimming. And that was that was the plan. Um, and then I was contacted by some people who were looking at doing the same thing. Um, and my mindset was was actually quite interesting that I wasn't the best athlete on my own because I was a good athlete. It wasn't about that. It was about having that support network, those like-minded people around you. And I think, you know, probably the best way to describe it, Lewis Hamilton, the F1 driver, is an amazing driver. But he would would openly admit he's got a team of 200 around him that are the best technicians, the best whatever it might be to basically enable him to perform at the highest level. And I realized that within my swimming, within my sport, it wasn't just about me. It was about surrounding surrounding yourself by the right people, whether it's just for the vibes or whether it is they're going to have a, a direct impact on your performance through, you know, coaching or, or, you know, the support network. So although I wanted to start a brand and that's what I wanted to do, I, I quickly realized that actually I knew nothing about starting brands. I was passionate and I knew the sport inside out, but you know, I didn't know too much about even setting up a company. I didn't know too much about finance. I didn't know anything really about design. I've got influence and, and opinions, but um, I needed to surround myself with you know people that have got a big financial background, a, a big um, design background who have you know worked with you know, international brands for 25 years. And that's what we did. We sort of grouped our skill set together and created a team. And that was what it was all about. So, and then sort of Swimsy was born. Um, and I was really keen to not just take away from the sport, but actually give back. So, you know, how can we improve things for athletes? What struggles did I have growing up? Um, one was team kit. You know, our team kit used to, go pick up a, a t-shirt from the local sports store and get it embroidered. And that was your team kit. And I was shocked to realize that that still happens sort of to the day. So we were like, how can we create an identity for swimming clubs? How can, you know, you, I used to hate it when you go to a swim meet and a red team was a red team, but you didn't really know who they were. So if you stood at the end of a 50 meter pool, you're like, oh, is that, what red team is that? Is that our, our swimming team? But you would never put Man United and Liverpool or Arsenal in a room and get them confused because they're brands. 
they're their own brand. So, you know, we wanted to use our branding influence and design to enable or to give swimming clubs an identity. And I think, you know, that's what we've really, you know, really excelled in. And we, you know, we, we work with swimming clubs all around the world now, which is, you know, we got sort of 200 plus in the UK and, and, um, you know, working with some in Australia and in Thailand and, you know, all, all around the world. And it's been quite refreshing and quite exciting. So I thought that was a passion. Um, and then I looked at swimming in a different way. It's like, as youngsters, there's, there's issues with, um, you know, what, what can be performance gains without really knowing about it? And, you know, people would get out of warm up and sit in their wet trunks and dry off. And that was it. They would sit in their trunks all day, but they didn't want to wear the kit that they were giving because it was not cool. Females would, you know, have to wear unisex or male shaped clothing. So I was really, really, um, keen to get some female fit things out, some, um, some like we do a deck dress which has been super super popular um but also warm clothing and if you subconsciously get if if someone wants to wear an item of clothing because it's cool but the byproduct of wearing it it keeps them warm then it's going to have a so they don't really realize why they're doing it so we created the, the swimsy onesie which has been really popular um and you know people would put it on between you know going to and from training it's easy to take on and off which is good you know, for morning training, but also, you know, between races, it keeps you nice and warm. And the kids think it's really cool, but actually it's got a, a performance benefit, even if they don't know it. Um, and then a, a, another gripe for, for me and, and pretty much every coach and every um, parent out there was swimmers didn't drink enough. And, and that, was, that was something that was really, really apparent from a young age and still is today. So we were like, well, how can we make drinking cool? One, you need to drink at least a litre. So let's create a one litre drinks bottle. But, um, and I, actually I'm never more than basically an arm whip. So even here, I've got my drinks bottle here. I'm never more than an arm whips because I grew up that I realised that drinking and staying hydrated was a really important part of my swimming career and journey in life. Um, so we actually created a product where on the side of the, of the drinks bottle, it had um, markers and the markers were, so we did, so we've, we actually got it here. So I don't know whether you can see that, I'll talk about it, but it's basically uh, a, a warm up preset, main set, warm down and stretch. So during a session, you should drink your litre uh, and, and at any given time, you should be up to one of those markers. So if you're on the ma main set, so it looks like I've drunk down to the main set, but your juice is still up at the preset or the warm up. you know you've not drunk enough. Mm -hmm. And actually, swimmers are super competitive and you get some of them at the end of the lane and the swimmers police themselves. So they're like, well, actually, we're on the main set. Why have you not drunk enough? <laughs> and it's really interesting that you get that mindset behind people. And rather than telling people that they should drink more, we've done it for centuries and no one does you know, for, for swimmers, so or hundreds of years. And if if they can almost do it themselves subconsciously, they don't really realise why they're doing it. It stops the parents getting annoyed saying, why aren't you drinking enough? It stops the coach at the end of the pool saying, you know, hang on guys, you need to drink more. That's one of the reasons we did it in see-through so that, every, you know, everyone's accountable for what they're doing so they can see what it is. Um, and it's been a huge success. It's been, uh, you know, I, I get messages from parents and coaches and athletes, but parents and coaches saying, you know, I really appreciate my kids drinking more. And that's what it's all about. And if they're drinking more, they're staying hydrated. There won't be that dip in performance that happens when you get dehydrated, especially at meets and stuff. So almost trying to think outside the box with what we're doing at Swimsy and we're doing it with the athlete in mind. And I still, I, you know, I still class myself as that. Um, you know, I, as, as a team, we used to go to 250 swim meets a year. So I get to see athletes and coaches and parents all the time, you know, at that junior level. And for me, it's been a really, you know, a real pleasure to be able to share my experience with them at swim meets, but also give back to them as well. So, um, yeah, it's been, it, it's been really amazing actually. And, I, you know, we're all going through a tough time. I totally get it. You know, it's, it's been hard 20, 2020 and, and the start of 2021, but you know, we will come out the other, other end. We will be able to swim again. And, you know, 
you, you love, well, I love, I love swimming. I love the water. I don't swim as much as I, uh, as I can. Obviously everything's closed at the moment, but I still love the water and being surrounded by like-minded people. And, you know, I feel like I've got a, a lot to give back. Well, Liam, I think we have literally, I, well, I've absolutely loved it. <laughs> like listening to your stories and your mindset and how like your positivity, you, it's just so contagious. And I think there's so many different things that people can take from this episode. And yeah, like obviously as an athlete, I loved being on teams with you, training with you, going to competitions with you, but even just as a friend and, you know, every time like I ring you up, it's jazzy. <laughs> so it's like, I just love listening to you. And even today hearing some of the things that I've actually not been able to hear from you. And um, some of those stories has just been amazing. Lauren, anything from you? Yeah, I just, I mean, you know what I think, Liam, I think you're brilliant. So many people do. Like Jazz just said, you're infectious with your positivity. And, you know, you one of those people for me on the team again where, you know, you made the experience for me super special. And, you know, like I said, if you see Liam Tancock on the team list, you know it's going to be a great one. Um, and, and just the stuff with Swimsy, just listening to you speak then about what you're doing with it and how you're trying to change the game for the younger swimmers. And proud of you, really. It's a great thing that, that you're doing and just... Keep smashing it like you always have. Thanks for coming on. It's it's honestly an honour to have you on. It's a it's been a pleasure, and I think again I'm going to get back into swimming and go for maybe not Tokyo, but you know whatever's <laughs> after that. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for the kind words, and it's uh, it does mean a lot. And I, you know, I, I as I said at the beginning, I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast, hearing your journey, and I, I'm really excited about where it could go. So. Um, and once it's all over, we can all catch up. But no, I really do appreciate um, being able to come on and, and chat to you guys, you know, your friends anyway. So, uh, and we've all got that shared love of the sport. So, you know, long may it continue and, um, and good luck with it all. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much. much. Again, as I said, like away from all the medals and the success that you've had in sport, what makes someone truly special is the people that they are. And you are one of a kind and very lucky to have you as a friend and we're very lucky to have spoken to you today so thank you but um thanks for listening guys we've um well i've absolutely loved it and we've got new episodes out every wednesday so stay tuned and hopefully we can keep climbing the charts in greece, greece. And beyond. please <laughs> <laughs> thanks liam and and see you all next wednesday